Good morning. Um, if you have your Bibles on you, uh, please turn to the book of Galatians. Uh, the book of Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 13 to 15. Chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. But before we start, I want to give you a bit of a background on this letter, just to help us understand our passage this morning. It's a letter from Paul, written to the churches in Galatia, which is uh, modern-day Turkey. Uh, there were churches that Paul had planted, um, who had preached the true gospel to them. The good news, the good news, what is the good news that Paul had preached? That sinners are deserving of God's wrath, but because God is also rich in mercy, that in his grace sent his son Jesus Christ. Fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life, died on the cross in our place, bearing the penalty of our sin. Rose from the dead, showing his victory over the grave, and lives forever. And it is through faith in Jesus Christ, he, we receive his righteousness and eternal life. By God's grace alone, not through our works, not through our merits, not through our achievements, only through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. That's the message Paul had preached to them. And the church in Galatia received this good news with their open hearts and they were so joyful. Paul leaves Galatia to continue preaching in other places. A little while later, when Paul is gone, a group of false teachers called the Judaizers come into the churches in Galatia and taught a false gospel. And so the majority of the Gentiles, uh, the church, are Gentiles. And these false teachers taught that the Gentile Christians must be circumcised in order to be accepted by God. They have to become Jews before they become Christians. They taught salvation was by faith, but also by works. In their context, keeping of the Mosaic law. That you needed more than Jesus to be saved. You still needed to be circumcised, keeping of the Sabbaths, keeping of the new moon ceremonies. You still required to follow the Mosaic law. Only then God will accept you. So Paul finds out about it, writes this letter to them to refute the false teaching. So chapters 1 to 4 is one theme. And that is we are justified by Jesus Christ alone. Nothing else. And Paul hammers it and hammers it and hammers this truth down on the church. Chapter 5, which is our chapter today, he goes into the application side of the letter. Now that we are justified by faith alone, we know that now. What now? What happens now? How are we to live our lives based upon who God is? And who you are in Christ. How do we live from salvation? Not living to earn salvation. Paul is going to help them understand this. That Christians have freedom. God has given you freedom. How will you use it? Will you use it selfishly? Or will you use it to serve? Because in today's passage... Paul is urging, to ask, urging us to ask the question, do you understand what Christian freedom is? Or do you know how to use it? So 
if we dig into our Bibles, Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 13 to 15, Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, and you do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Um, we pray, Lord, that you will speak to us through your word and enlighten our minds and hearts this morning. Help me to deliver, to deliver your word to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, before we know how to use our freedom, we need to know where it comes from. So the first thing Paul shows us is, and here is the origin of our freedom. Where our freedom comes from. Verse 13, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Paul says, you were called to freedom. Paul reminds the Galatian church to remember the origins of your freedom. That the freedom that was given to them was not through merit, wasn't through human achievement, but it was freely given to them by the grace of God. We simply respond in faith. Jesus says in John 8.32 and 8.36, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be... Amen. So Paul has to remind them, Christ sets you free. Don't go back to the system of self-righteousness. Don't go back under the law. God called you to this freedom. It is a gift from God. Amen. You didn't earn it. Jesus earned it for you by his blood. Jesus paid it all. The fact that I am unworthy, undeserving. But as I am, that God will reach down from the heavens and save me and you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Church, let's never, ever, ever forget what a miracle this kind of freedom is. Think about the grace that set Jesus Christ, by whom and all things were created for and through. Came down here and became a man for this very reason, for your freedom. And for him to be treated like garbage, tortured, treated with the most injustice way, denied, spat on, reviled, beaten, hung on the cross, naked, to pay your debt and my debt. We sing about amazing grace, but have we grasped how amazing his grace really is? You and I, don't deserve an ounce of God's mercy. But God still calls sinners like you and me. And he calls us into a freedom by his grace. And so every time anyone turns from sin and believes in Jesus, they are free. Free from God's wrath. Free from death. Set free from the bondage of our sin. Because Jesus paid it. And every time Jesus comes to deliver someone to freedom, 
is rejoicing in heaven. Before we go any further into our text, let me ask you, have you been caught to freedom? Have you received the gift of salvation through turning, turning from your sins and turning towards him? If you haven't, now is the time. God is calling you. Don't leave it for another minute. Don't wait till you fix yourself. It ain't going to work. You'll never be good enough before God. Only Jesus was good enough. Maybe today Jesus is calling you to freedom. Jesus says, come to me, all who weary and burden, and I will give them rest. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Today could be a day of freedom for you. If you're out there, I pray that you turn to Jesus in faith. So the question remains, how are you going to use your freedom? So next Paul is going to explain what freedom is not for. Continuing verse 13, Paul writes, Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Before it tells us what to do with our freedom, he tells us what not to do. Then use it for the flesh. Now, we need to understand what Paul means by flesh in verse 13. Paul's not talking about the physical body. Although sometimes he does use it in that way, but not in this context. Your physical body is not a sin. Your physical body is a gift from God. So it's no point trying to beat it and punish it and starve it to kick it into submission. One day God will redeem that body of yours and it will be new and glorified. So flesh is referring to what theologians call the sinful nature. The old man, the fallen man, the other part of us that is selfish and self-centered. Every single human, uh, every human is born of it. I'll, I'll give you a passage to describe what it is. First uh, John two sixteen. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. This is the old man. This is the flesh. Our inclinations to want to sin. Although we as Christians are a new creation, we have been born again, but there's still remnants of that sinful nature that is still attached to us. Is why there is a battle within ourselves. The sinful nature wants to sin, and our new nature in Christ wars with it. We experience it in our own lives. I'll give you another example. I'll quickly jump down to verse 16. I'm just going to read through to 19. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Do you see the wall? You, a new creation which is governed by the Holy Spirit, and then you have the flesh that's in you also, and it's opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want to do. So your sinful nature wants to come up and sin, and the Holy Spirit's in you going, no, stop it. Okay? Does that make sense? 
So the next couple of verses, if you continue to use your freedom for the flesh, these are the results. Verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. Why is Paul saying this? Paul is concerned that the church now know to come away from the teaching of legalism, which is about keeping all the rules, but he's also concerned that they're going to go from legalism and go all the way to another side, which is license. License to sin. Well, Christ is in the middle. He walks in truth and holiness. Um, Paul is here saying, do not allow your freedom in Christ to become your excuse for sin. Don't let your freedom in Christ become a place where you allow sin to dominate your life. Where you become worldly. That's not biblical freedom. It's biblical slavery. If you do that, you have misunderstood God's freedom. Freedom is not a freedom to indulge in the flesh. It's freedom from the flesh. Before Christ, we served ourselves, and our sinful nature drove us to be controlled by desires. We were controlled by sinfulness, slaves to sin. But praise God, praise God, because in Christ you have been made alive, given a regenerated heart. You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, and now you have been given freedom. Not to indulge in the flesh, but to walk in holiness. Using your freedom from sin to go back and choose sin, the very thing that enslaved you in the first place, is damning. You are free from sin. You can say no to sin now. You couldn't do that before because we were slaves to sin. And I'm not talking about sinless and being perfect. We, we all still sin. I'm sure you all agree with me on that. But that our hearts and our minds and attitude towards sin has a deep hatred for it. As well, there's a battle within ourselves. You have the new you in Christ and, and your old self, the flesh, that's still battling within you. Jesus did not free you to sin. He freed you from it. So don't use your freedom to engage in worldliness and sinfulness. If the freedom that God has given you is not to live any way you want, then what is it for? The answer is in the last part of verse 30. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. But through love, serve one another. Instead of devoting yourself to living for the flesh, you devote yourself to serve. Instead of being a slave to your own selfishness, you're now a servant to your brothers and sisters. Use your freedom to help people. And it's important for us to focus on this little passage because we automatically think it's all about serve, 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 serve. But what comes before that? 
but through love. That's the key to our serving. But through love. If you're going to just serve with no love for the people that you're serving, you're going to get burnt out. Love is the motivation of our serving. Because love is what drove Jesus to the cross. It was in his love for you and for me that he served. That he served you, the God of the universe, who left his glory and his privileges in heaven, became a man and died for you and me. John 15, 13, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. We serve because we love. Paul says, through love, serve one another. Who are we serving? Everyone. But specifically the church, the body of Christ, us. God saved you from your sin. Paul says, so you could serve the church. That is the purpose of our freedom. You have this freedom so that you could take care of somebody during tough times. You have this freedom to pray for one another. You have this freedom so you can encourage one another to edify each other, to come to church and worship together. These are all means of Christians who serve others, not to serve themselves. This is the purpose of the church, that we are in this together, that we are one family in Christ. And Paul gives reason why this is so important. Verse 14, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The Galatians were really uh, big on the law. Paul, Paul says to them, Love, and you will fulfill the law. Now that's interesting because up to this point, Paul has only spoken on the law in fairly negative terms. But here Paul says the reason you've been given freedom is actually to fulfill God's moral law. I'm not talking about the, the religious ceremonies and the circumcisions and, and the law that was given to Moses at Mount Sinai. I'm, I'm talking about God's moral law, his, the reflection of his character. Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, gives you the ability to walk in obedience and to fulfill that law as well. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. How are you fulfilling that law? By loving your neighbor. When you're loving your neighbor, you are naturally fulfilling that law. His moral law. You, you're not doing something to earn salvation. You're doing something from salvation. Love God and love your neighbor. In the freedom that God has given you through love, Search, serve one another. Let me ask you this question. Who is your neighbor? Anybody, right? Your neighbors could be anyone down the street, anyone you meet, just a person you like. God calls us to love anybody, but in particular the people of the church. Uh, Hebrews 10, 25, 4, not forsaking our own assembly together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging each other. There's some attitudes of some Christians who say, I'm a Christian. I'm not, I don't need to go to church. I'm a Christian, but I don't need to go to church. But here's what Paul would say to that. 
God calls us three love, serve one another. How can you serve someone if you're never around? Because it's impossible to just love. It's impossible just to serve. Love and serve require an object. If you're not around, you're going back to that question again. How are you using your freedom? Are you using it selfishly? Or are you using it to serve? The gathering of God's people is so important. I'm not trying to sound legalistic here, but it's vital because it's your spiritual growth and the serving of others. It's for the goodwill of his people to encourage each other in faith. Because life is already difficult as it is. We can't run this race without each other. The body of Christ, we need each other. It's not about ticking a box for the good deed that you've done. The only way we can do that if we if you are here. You play a big part in the body. Every part plays a role. You need the elbow to move the arm, right? You need the hand to massage the knee. You need the foot to move right. Within the church, some of you are elbows. Some of you are feet. Some of you are hands. The body cannot function unless all of us are working together and doing our parts. Every person in the body of Christ is critical. Every part of the body works to serve other ones. Maybe people say, you know, I, I come to church, I serve, but I don't want to serve that person. Or I'm not going to serve in that area. So maybe you find it easy to love some people. But you find it pretty hard to love others. Maybe you find it easy to serve in some places. But you find it pretty hard to serve others, other places. And the truth is God gave everyone different personalities. Maybe that person annoys you or that person that hurt you in the past or you just don't click with that person and so it qualifies you not to serve and love that person. Can I remind you, Jesus died for that person too. Jesus loves that person as well. See, you and I, we were unlovable. But Jesus loved us. He saw us and loved us. Despite all our flaws and feelings, he loved us to the max. That he willingly died for you and me. Paul is saying here, think about how Jesus loves you. Love other people that way. See, if Jesus could love me, I could love that annoying person. I could love that person who hurt me. I could love that person that I don't have anything in common with. Jesus served you by giving his very life for you. Three love, serve one another. When we do that, people are going to notice. This is what makes the church look different from the world. Jesus says, John thirteen thirty-five, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. How do you love one another? By serving them. Will you use your freedom to love or will you use your freedom 
to be selfish. Sadly, we don't use our freedom very well. Verse 15, But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Too often churches bite, devour and consume each other. It happened in the church of Galatia that they were attacking each other and fighting with one another because they misunderstood their freedom. And they didn't understand what their relationship was with each other in Christ. If you have read the book of 1 Corinthians, you'll know that and have seen the picture of Christians who are selfish. They were using their gifts not to bless one another, but to lift themselves up, boasting in themselves about spiritual gifts that they had. This is the church in Corinth. Paul writes to them and rebukes them because their selfish hearts was tearing the church apart. This is the idea that Paul says, if you bite and devour one another, it's because you use your Christian freedom to serve yourself, not others. If you are selfish, you will destroy each other. He says, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. The word consume means to destroy. It's like a fire that destroys a building and eats up er everything that surrounds it. It consumes in its wrath. And if your selfish hearts live according to that, you will fight with one another and you will destroy one another. Perhaps you're being a part of a Christian community that were not loving and serving one another, but rather they were biting and devouring one another. You saw churches ripped apart and destroyed, and you desired it and laughed and rejoiced in it. Let me tell you, it grieves the, the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. It grieves the Apostle Paul that we would use our freedom to serve ourselves which will lead us to biting and devouring. This is the natural outcome of selfishness. So the question that the Lord would ask you this morning, which defines you? Which defines me? Maybe you're wondering, how can I make it right? How can we avoid the biting and devouring and the consuming the answer is found again in verse 13. Through love, serve one another. That's it. So church, let's serve. Let's love. Let us use our freedom for each other, not for ourselves. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your, the freedom that you have helped us, uh, that we have. Help us not to use that freedom for our own selfish ambitions, but that we use it to love and serve one another. And as we close our service this morning, we thank you for the gospel. Without the gospel, we have no freedom. Your son paid it all, all to him we owe. All the glory to you, in Jesus' name. Amen.